0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the book of James chapter 4. The book of James chapter 4, as we continue in this wonderful letter. We've been blessed tremendously to think about so many different things as we have gone through this letter. And today is no different. We will be blessed, we will be encouraged, we will be reminded of truth from the Word of God. As we have learned so far, the book of James, the letter that James wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is a very practical book. (laughs) It's very practical. It reads much like the book of Proverbs. It reads much like the teaching of Jesus. Say, for example, on uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, we see these things and we can see the similarities between them. Now, last week, we tackled the topic of judging, <laughs> and that was pretty tough. We, uh, we had our toes stepped on again, and, and we also learned a few things, I hope, or were reminded of some things uh, about the issue that are significant and important for us as Christians. Now, today, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 13. I'm sure you found it by now, and we're going to read down to Verse 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and trade and make a profit or get gain. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let's pray together. Father, as we come under the sound of your word, as we come into the presence, into your presence, the holy God of heaven, we come in the name of Jesus. We come in his name. We come in his authority we bow through his precious blood and his righteousness to petition you to cry out unto you and to cry out with boldness and confidence, not in ourselves, but in him. And Lord, we pray that you'll hear us today. We need you more than the air we breathe, more than the clothes we wear, the water we drink, the food that we eat. We need you, God. And so today, would you tune our hearts now away from the things of the world and away from the cares and the troubles thereof and turn our attention to you, our God, to Jesus Christ, our Savior, to your scriptures that we might grow and that we might be changed and transformed this morning. Help us, O God, to understand these words and help us to rightly apply them to our lives for the glory of Christ. In whose name we pray, amen. As you see on the screen, the title of the message, The the Sin of Presumptuous Pride. Presumptuous is a word that is very similar to the word assumption. We assume things, we presume things, we take things for granted so often. And as we're going to see in a moment, this is exactly what James, under the inspiration of God, is talking about. And it has a lot to do with people who are planners. <laughs> and I thought about that. And there's no one in this room that is more of a planner than I am. I mean, it seems like my whole life is planning something. I, <laughs> I thought about it this week and wrote, even wrote it down just to think, it, think through my thoughts. It seems like everything. Planning for Sunday school. Planning for Sunday morning worship time. Sermons, announcements, songs, videos, slides. Planning for Sunday evening worship. Planning for Tuesdays at Concord with the Baptist Student Union group there. Planning for counseling sessions with individuals and also for couples. Planning for Wednesday night Bible study. Planning for Thursday night discipleship group. Planning for business meetings. Planning for brotherhood breakfast. Planning for council meetings with the association. Plan, plan, plan. That's all I get done is planning. And so I come to something like this and it says, now, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go and do this or that. And it makes me stop. Makes me stop. Because you probably share with me in that you probably plan a lot of things. I'm going to take plan on taking a couple days off in, in December to go on a vacation or I'm planning to do this for your birthday or I'm planning to do that when it comes time in the spring. And you're thinking about things and you're planning ahead and you're strategizing, as it were, as to how you're going to accomplish the desires that you have for your life. (laughs) And here we see the businessman. He's going to go and he's going to make a profit. We're going to have success. We're going to reach our dreams. And so often we're told that, are we not? It's infiltrated the church. Many times we we hear people in the church. We're talking about what we're going to do and how we're going to accomplish it. And James is a word for us this morning. A word much like he had for us when we were talking about the issue of judging. You see, we learn that when it comes to judging, there's a right way and a wrong way. (laughs) We learn that there's a way that is explicitly commanded of us in Scripture. We have to make judgment calls. We have to do it. We're commanded to do it. Jesus said, why don't you judge with righteous judgment? But then he condemns a certain kind of judgment. Remember? (laughs) This condescending, hypocritical, self-righteous judge is always condemned in Scripture. Always. This critical spirit of others, assuming that we know things that we do not know. And Paul, or James rather, says to us not to speak evil against one another, brothers, not to do that. And very much like judging and that issue, this idea of planning, this idea of strategizing and trying to set goals and reach goals... Whether it be in your personal life, in your family, at work, whether it's at church or wherever, whatever you're doing and whatever you're planning to do. There's a way in which you can do it that is pure evil. And there's a way you can do it that will honor God. And that's what we're going to discover. Let's think about it a minute. The pride of presumption. Verse 13. Look at it again. Come now you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, at the root of what James is trying to point out is a presumptuous pride. There is pride in presuming so many things. Look at the things that this individual has taken for granted, has just assumed, has just presumed is going to happen. He's going to live a year. And that he's going to be able to make a successful business over the course of that year. So that he can make a profit. And if you'll notice the wording there. The emphasis is on the we. (laughs) Or you can think of it like this. In your own life. The emphasis very often is on the I. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We are going to do this. We are going to do that. We will, indicating what you can do, your ability, your plans, presume your ability and your skill to accomplish your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. We will do this. (laughs) And in essence, what he's saying is, Come now, come on now, think about it with me, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such. And listen, I'm going to add the words, They're, they're not there, but they're silent. You understand, they're silent. We will go into such and such a town or city and we will spend a year there and we will trade and we will make a profit. That's what he's saying. That's the emphasis of the wording that starts us off in the problem. But now notice what is missing from those words. Can you think of some things? Well, I thought of at least two things that are fundamentally missing from that statement. Number one is the reality of human fallibility. Human fallibility. He's not taking into consideration that his heart may not make it another year. He's not taking into consideration the human fallibility that his plans may be miscalculated. Maybe your plan has been on the based upon a faulty logic. And therefore you're not going to be successful. You're not going to reach your goal. Human fallibility. There are so many variables in life. Are there not? So many variables that have to come into play. Sometimes it's almost as if all the planets must be in alignment. Before something can come through the way that we want it to. There are so many different things that have to fall into place. So many tumblers that need to come into place. And we in this statement, this individual, this group, has not factored in the reality of human fallibility. Secondly, they haven't factored in the reality of God. And that's, that's the key. They haven't factored in God. Does God desire for you to do what you're planning to do? Is it God's will for you to do what God what you are planning to do? You see, the reality of what is missing in this statement is a recognition that there is a God in heaven who is the one who rules and super rules over the heavens and over the earth. Not factoring in God. Come now, come on now, you who plan. Listen up, you who Kevin, you've got all these plans of what's going to go on in your life, what's going to go on in the church, how it's going to play out. Come on now, let's think about this, he says. Now, what's the problem with this presumptuous pride? What's the problem? Well, the problem is, in verse 14, let's look at it. Problem is, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So number one is you don't know. (laughs) You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You assume that you're going to make plans. And listen, all of us do this. All of us make these plans. And there is a way in which you can make plans, that you can make strategies, that you can dream dreams, that you can set goals and honor God, or there's a way that you can dishonor God. And the problem with leaving God out of the equation in your life The problem with not factoring in human fallibility and corruption and frailty. Is that you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen to you the next moment. Let alone a year from now. Do you? And see the problem is with us. Do you have trouble seeing the pride of it? It is an arrogant boastful sinful pride that is that is at the root of this problem. Pride. That doesn't factor in God. That doesn't factor in the reality of your own fallibility, the fact that you can make many mistakes. And that the world is not revolving around you and nothing is dependent upon you. You do, you are not the decisive factor in the equation. You may think you are. And a lot of times what we do is we plan and very often we neglect some things in order to accomplish other things, right? We neglect some things in order to accomplish other things. But if you don't factor in what is the will of God for your life, And you will hugely miss the mark. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. In the book of Isaiah chapter 46, if you'd like to turn, Isaiah chapter 46, we find out that God himself is the only one who knows what the future holds. As a matter of fact, he's the one who plans the future. Look at it, if you will, In Isaiah 46. Beginning in verse 9. Isaiah 46. In verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end. From the beginning and from ancient times. Things not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand. And I will accomplish all my purpose. And this. Is the emphatic statement that God is the only one who can make that claim. (laughs) He's the only one that can say I have plans that will not fail. And God has a plan. God has a desire for your life. And God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And he has called us to immediate action. To submit under his will and under his purpose for our lives. Our Lord Jesus also taught about this and warned about this attitude in the book of Luke chapter number 12 and verse 15 and following. If you'd like to look, Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. Many of you know this story that I'm going to read. Jesus taught about this prideful presumption. See if this fits with you today. Today. Now, I want you to notice as we read these words, what is missing? What is missing? I submit to you that it's the same two things I just mentioned. Human fallibility and the reality of God is not considered. Listen to what he says. And he said to them, take care. It's a warning. And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, (laughs) he's thinking to himself, he's having a little conversation with himself. He's got his planner out. He's going to plan his future. He's going to plan his prosperity. And Listen to what he says. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. He's his own counselor, is he not? I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The man doesn't factor in human fallibility. He's not going to make it. He is, his soul is required of him that very night. And yet he is looking way out into the future. And he's not taking God into consideration. He's not taking into consideration that he is not really the one who blesses him with what he has. God is. God is. You think you have what you have because you got it for yourself, you're wrong. No one can receive anything except it to be given from God. The energy that you work with, God gave it to you. Everything that you enjoy in this life is a gift. It's not a guarantee. And the man has said in his heart. I'm just going to plan out. I've got it made. And what is he doing? Is it not prideful? Is it not arrogant? Is it not boastful for us to look in the mirror and say, we're never going to die? There is no God. We're not going to meet the judgment. Then let me ask you this. Why do you prolong Why do you prolong doing what you know to be right? See, it hits us. It hits us all. Why do we presume there'll be time when the Bible says that you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring? This reality should humble us, should it not? Which is where God wants us to be. It's where we should have been all along. And as we turn back to the book of James. We'll notice by this point in his letter. That this is a reoccurring theme. The theme of humility before God. The theme that considers God. And takes the reality of situations. In in the reality of God. In in light of him. For example. In chapter 4 verse 6. He says. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Look, if you will, in verse 10, humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord and he will exalt you. This is a very practical book. James is over and over and over trying to warn us that you're going to stand before God. Why do you presume that you're going to do anything? How do you know you're going to have another chance to repent and to trust in Jesus? How do you know that? You don't. You don't know that. How do you know there's going to be a time, sometimes even subconsciously in our hearts, we'll say, we'll deal with that later, God. We'll we'll get that bitterness out of there. We'll get that jealousy out of there. We'll get that striving out of there. We'll reconcile over here later on. It'll come even if we don't say it. What makes you think, oh, proud and boastful, what makes you think that you're going to have an opportunity to make that right? You have no promise. You have no promise of tomorrow. Secondly. The first one was. Remember you don't know. You don't know. That's the first problem. The second problem with our presumptuous pride. Is your life is transient. I get that right from the scripture. Verse 14. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life. For you are but a vapor that appears for a little time. And then vanishes away. Your life is transient. You know what that means? Just what I just read to you. It means just staying around for a little time. So transient. If you picked up the paper this morning, were there obituaries in there? The fool in our story. He didn't know, did he? He didn't know that that night... He would have to stand before his maker. He didn't know it. See, so often we presume that we'll have time that we do not know that we'll have time for. We presume that we'll have abilities that we do not know for sure that we will have. We presume that our plans can be successful when we do not factor in God. We are sinning against him. That's what he says in verse 16 and 17. If we'll take just a moment to look there, it says, And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows to do the right thing and does not do it, to him it is sin. To persist on in our arrogance and our pride is sin. What is your life? Let's take a moment. What is your life? How many of you are over 100 years old? Anybody? I've known some people. My grandfather was 93 years old when he passed away. I've known some people that got close. I've known some people that went over. And although their body gets tired, I hear a consistent theme. This is what they'll say. It just flew by. It just flew by. What is your life? Are you going to sit in this room today and let the moments of your life, the transient nature of your life, just fleeting and passing like getting up in the morning and there's a little mist, there's a little vapor that is kind of hovering around and before the sun even gets very hot in the sky, it's gone away. Even if you live to be over a hundred years old, it is comparatively short. In light of all of time. And especially in light of eternity. What is your life? What is your life? Let me ask you this. Have you done. The one and the most important thing. For a person to do. Before their life is over. Namely have you repented of your sins. And have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Do you think that you'll have more time later on? What if you don't? If you have the inclination in your heart. Today the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Now the Bible says is the accepted time. To do what is right. To do what is right. So, what is the proper perspective? We've looked at the negative, let's think about the positive. The proper perspective, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. The proper perspective on life and planning is to factor in the one constant. The one unmovable factor, the one unmovable, unchangeable reality in all the universe is God himself. He never changes. He's always there. His plans will prosper. His plans will succeed. And so if I'm going to make plans for next Sunday or Sunday night or the business meeting or the church council or whatever. I need to say if the Lord wills. I'll do this or that. Because I don't know for sure. Maybe he has other plans. (laughs) Maybe he has other plans for you. I'm going to have some more time. I think I'm young. Maybe not. God may have other plans for you. It compels us, doesn't it? To do the right thing today. While we have time. And while we have opportunity. If the Lord wills. Every day is a gift. It's not a guarantee. I like that. Every day is a gift. It's not a guarantee. This perspective is given the recognition of God's rule and God's will. God has revealed some things. About what he desires of mankind. He has revealed some things of how he wants you to live. And many of you sitting here today, I could say, what are some things in God's word? And you would know them. You would know them. But are you doing them? Are you practicing them? And what are you saying? You say, man, this sermon wasn't for me. What are you saying when you don't do them? You don't have to use words, but it's in your heart. The presumptuous pride that says, I'll do it later. I'll get to it later on, Lord. I'll be obedient later on. And later on may never come. May never come. Paul talked like this in the book of Acts. Let me give you a couple phrases. Acts chapter 18, verse 21. But taking leave of them, he's there with the church at Ephesus. He said, I will return to you if God wills. And he said, Sam. I will return to you if God wills. I want to come back. I want to do this. But I recognize my fallibility. I recognize that I may not know God's plan. And I'm willing and humble enough to say. If God is willing. I'll come back. He says in another place. 1 Corinthians 4.19. But I will come to you soon. If the Lord wills. And the rest of it is. These arrogant talkers. And he says. I'm going to come back if the Lord wills. Philippians 2.19, Paul again, he says it a little differently here. I thought about it. There's a lot of different phrases that you could use. You don't have to say every time the Lord wills. Look at what he uses here. I hope in the Lord Jesus. It's the same thing. It's the same attitude. It's the same disposition. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. If the Lord Jesus, who's in control, allows it and grants it and permits it, I'll send Timothy to you soon. And I too i be cheered by news of you. He says again in verse 24, of that same chapter, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. And all of this flows from a heart and a perspective that knows that God is the one who's in control. That God must grant the things that we desire or we will never see them. And so often in churches and in church life and in seminars, and church growth seminars and conferences in our land today, we stick out our chest and we boast about what we're going to do. <laughs> we're, this is the way to grow your church. This is the way to find success. This is the way to do it. If the Lord grants it. If the Lord grants it, you will. See, our hearts need to be dependent upon God. Our plans need to factor in the authority of God in our lives. Do you do that? That God has the authority to come in and to change the plans. <laughs> he has the authority to, to shift around the, the, the planner and put it the way that he wants it to be. Because he's in control. And we want him To have his will and way in our lives. Otherwise all this prideful presumption is sin. And so immediate action is called for. What is that immediate action for you today? I don't know. What do you need to do that you have presumed you can do later that you don't know? You'll have later to do it. Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to tell someone about Jesus? Do you need to make something right that has been wrong for a long time? Do you need to rededicate your life to Christ? Because you have so wandered from faithfulness to Jesus. And you keep saying maybe later on. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from the Lord. He His word is today. Today. Maybe for the first time. Today. You need. To surrender your soul to Christ. Maybe today. Let's pray. Father. As we come to. The end of our time in your word this morning. We just reflect upon the truth that we've heard and we recognize, oh God, how guilty we are so often. Making our plans and then expecting you to endorse them instead of first seeking your face and asking, God, what is your plan? What would you have me do here in this situation? What would bring honor and glory to you in this? Forgive us for our failure in that way, Lord. And God today, help my brothers and sisters in here in this room to do what they know in their hearts is right today. And God, if there's one here that's lost and they know in their heart they need Jesus. I pray that you would give them the strength, give them the grace to repent and turn away from sin. And the trust and the finished work of Christ, it's finished for them. He died in their place. He suffered the wrath that they deserve so that they could be set free. Help them to see it and know it and embrace it today before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.